Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we've got Ryan Pinkala. Ryan is from the uh, Twin Cities metro area of, uh, of Minnesota, and he is one of the hosts of the very popular YouTube series, The Crappie Chronicles. I, there's, there's four hosts to The Crappie Chronicles. I've had the other three guys on before in the past. Ryan, this is his first time, so it's very fun to uh, finally get sort of his story, how he got involved in the Crappie Chronicles and, and just sort of his fishing story uh, as it is. He's a young guy, and uh, but he's done a whole bunch of fishing and he's just fun and interesting to, uh, to listen to there. And we dig into some really great fishing topics. Now, Ryan, you know, he's from the metro area. He's fished a lot of metro lakes. And, and for me, you know, one sort of the story or just some of the information that I like to talk about with guys like Ryan that are from down there, uh, you know, is, is how to work a crowd, how to fish pressured fish, or how to fish those community lakes on the community spot that just get everybody knows about that just gets so much pressure. Like anybody that really understands fishing pressure uh, knows what I'm talking about here. But I'm just thinking, you know, the classic, you know, uh, January, February, you know, Saturday where the weather is pretty decent, it's not too windy. This year, we don't have so much snow, so access is good, you know, wherever there's ice. We're having this cold snap now, so we're making all kinds of ice. I think that, you know, Saturdays are going to be busy on all the community lakes across the Midwest from here on out, most likely. And, you know, from a fishing standpoint, you know, are we are, are we the type of anglers? You got to ask yourself, like, am I going to go to this this lake? just you know it, it's probably the most readily available opportunity to me it's it's the it's the easiest lake to get to everybody knows where the access is and when i get out there um you know where do i go set up well there's a whole village of houses out there and uh kind of you know you know, don't think too much past that just go drill holes right in that group and and we're all just waiting for the same fish to swim underneath us when it's our turn and hopefully catch them but i feel like you know, even on these like pressured lakes, even on these very community type spots and you know, on these community type lakes, there's a bigger conversation you can have, uh, which, you know, Ryan really does a great job of pointing out some great tips that, you know, if this is the type of, of fishing opportunities that, that you're going to have this winter or any winter, what are some things you can do to kind of set yourself apart? Maybe find bigger fish if they're in there or maybe find unpressured fish if they're in there. And in a lot of cases, they are on both accounts. You can find fish that all this fishing pressure on all these good spots will will do something to these fish that you can, in some cases, anticipate. And Ryan breaks that down really, really well. Things that we should be thinking about in, besides just going and drilling in a whole you know, village of houses and waiting our turn. What can we do to maybe find the fish that are on the edge of that group or, you know, figure out what direction maybe some fish are are being spooked off to and be the one that kind of finds them find fish uh you know drill holes where there aren't any holes Um, but also finding unpressured fish it's kind of a a a different conversation probably in on a lot of lakes like like even on the most popular crappie lakes in and around the metro there are fish that are finding the quiet ice they're finding the quiet water they're getting pushed over time, all this fishing pressure, all this noise, all the hole drilling, all the cars driving and fish houses and sleds being dragged around, like, like that's doing something to some fish. Uh, and there, in a lot of cases, there are populations of fish 
that are finding the quiet parts of the lake. And if you can think like that, if you can take that approach and go find where there aren't any, there isn't any of that noise on top of the ice, go find the portion of the lake, even if it doesn't look great on a map, even if it doesn't look like on a map, it doesn't look like there should be fish there trying it. Uh, can just pay dividends and that's those are just some of the things some of the strategies some of the you know sort of the topics that Ryan does a great job digging into he's a great storyteller we we definitely a lot to learn here so anyways I'm going on and on it's a great conversation we get to know Ryan Pinkala and some of his specialties and here's get some great fishing tips and strategy for how to attack uh, you know the community spots the community holes these these popular lakes and what to do to kind of set yourself apart and have a better fishing experience. So anyways, let's get to it. Ryan Pinkala, Metro Crappie Fishing. Let's do it. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast that's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner featuring Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology. Wear this Cold Snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice, or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system. We're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D rings for all your accessories. Again, Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFlow technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell as your highest performance rain gear. Wear the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event soft shell jackets, and vests, all of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. All right, man. Well, hey, Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, appreciate the time big time. It is the first time having you on, so... I got to get to know you just like everybody else. Um, I need to know some of your personal stories, man. Where are you from? Where does like, where does your fishing career really start, man? Were you born and raised in this? Like where, where are you from? Who introduced you to fishing? Like what were some of your early fishing experiences that were kind of meaningful to you? What are some things that we should know? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, 
the just like initial getting into it, you know, I would say my, you know, my dad definitely got me into like fishing initially and, you know, half of my family, basically his side of the family was always doing outdoor stuff. Um, maybe not like at, you know, professional, you know, they were doing it as a job or something, but they were, you know, into lots of fishing, hunting, that kind of stuff. And so growing up, we always did a lot of that, spent a lot of time in Northern Wisconsin, which I still consider a lot of that area, like some of my home water, even though I live down in the Metro now here in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, pretty much just, you know, weekend trips up North, that kind of thing, just kind of lit the fire there. And I, you know, originally from Milwaukee, so I did a lot of Great Lakes fishing kind of early on. And we moved up to Minnesota um, when I was still pretty young and, and just got into, you know, had some buddies over here. We ran around and just went, you know, banging local ponds for anything we could catch. And um, that just kind of kept growing, you know, the passion for that and finding, finding, you know, our own bites and stuff was cool. And, and that kind of just kept us rolling and um, just, you know, always was always wanting to go out more and more and be in the boat and stuff. And, uh, you know, my dad was a, or still is a pretty big musky angler. And so we always spent a lot of time doing that and kind of, you know, learn some of that stuff. I would say at a fairly young age and just wanted to like always be learning more and like, you know, why are we not catching more? Even though it's like, <laughs> not like that, you know? So I was always just trying to like get better at it. And, um, I guess, yeah, like I said, I grew up pretty much most of my like younger miss was in, in the Metro here in Minnesota. And, uh, I live in the South Metro and, um, ended up, I guess, fast forward a little bit, going to college in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um, went there, was on the, the bass fishing team there for four years, which was um, pretty sweet. I had some friends that, you know, kind of told me, hey, like, this is the thing that's good. Like, this was like right when college fishing was kind of getting going, you know, so it wasn't like established as it is now. And there definitely wasn't any high school fishing then. So it, it intrigued me a lot. And, you know, I wanted to go there to do that. And uh, ended up going to point fishing on the team there met a bunch of good dudes from minnesota as part of that um and that kind of got me into like the fishing community i guess here in minnesota so uh you know one of my good buddies sam sobiak is pretty you know pretty established in in the fishing community and and we went to school together and um kind of got the media bug from him too and and just something i ended up kind of i don't know having a passion for that I didn't really expect to. Um, and so just having that group of friends, um, you know, really got me to where I'm sitting now and just being absolutely fully addicted to chasing fish around. <laughs> you obviously knew what it was like to fish different lakes all the time, or, you know, you were fishing different species, like probably played in a little bit to, um, you know, your learning curve, your ability to kind of diversify, be a multi-species guy. Like, you know, that being said, what would you say are some of your specialties or some of your strengths? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'd say it's kind of like two parts, right? It's like the open water stuff, I think is a lot different. Like I, I definitely would consider myself more of like a multi-species guy. I enjoy, tra I enjoy traveling to fish a lot, like versus just nailing down, you know, an area and being like, I'm going to figure every you know, rock pile out in these 10 lakes right here. I'm going to know every single walleye, and, you know, crappie in there. But, um, yeah, I spend, uh, well, not as much now, but I, I have spent quite a bit of time doing saltwater stuff too. And that, you know, just is another 
thing that was like, oh man, there's so much out there and it made me want to chase all these different species and just be like knocking them off the list kind of thing, you know? And, and, uh, and, you know, I, I would say like the, the stuff in Minnesota and Wisconsin, you know, uh, the musky thing really still gets me going. So that I think you know, gets me out there more and kind of gets my mindset a little different than if I was just, you know, a lot of my buddies are, are bass guys. They love doing tournaments and I, I do too, but you know, there's just, to me, there's like more to it, you know, versus then just doing weekend derbies all summer long. And, and then, you know, the ice thing, uh, I would say I always did some level of ice fishing, even as a kid and everything, but to where it's at now where I'm like, I spend the entire winter, you know, <laughs> ice fishing basically at this point. And, uh, it's, uh, not something that I expected to get as involved in as quickly, you know, it probably was where I was doing it at, you know, pretty serious level. It's been probably maybe about eight years and, you know, four of it has been doing the Crafty Chronicles stuff, which is, um, you know, kind of another level to it, you know, just for the, the intensity that it's like, you're actually going out there and just like chasing specific bites, <laughs> you know, yeah. versus just going out fishing to have a good time kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I guess I don't, I can't say like, oh, there's one thing that I always, you know, have been like, this is going to be my thing. You know, I, I definitely like all facets of fishing. You know, I, I would consider myself, especially open water, being more of a shallow water guy. I like finding, well, I think maybe it just comes from some of the places that I fish, but a lot of the more productive water that doesn't seem to get mutilated as bad tends to be shallow. Yeah. So, you know, just with electronics and stuff now, a lot of the stuff that gets pressured and in the touristy areas I like to fish, you know, either whether it be the metro where there's just a lot of people or up in, you know, northern Wisconsin, you go up there in the summertime and it's crazy town. But, um yeah, I, I don't know. I'm all over the map, I guess. You know, one one month I get I get on a kick for a particular species and I'm like doing all the research and figuring out where I can go to, you know, figure out how I can go catch a red snapper or something. You know, you, know, you mentioned the Crappie Chronicles. Certainly, if people are listening to this at this point, they've, you know, they understand that you're one of the, um, you know, one of the hosts of the Crappie Chronicles, very popular YouTube. You know, we've talked about I've had I've had all the other guys on. Um, tell me a little bit about that, man, like getting into that, like who? Like, uh, you know, how, how do you fit into all of that in the beginning? Like who gave you a call and invited you into that? Like, like, tell me a little bit of that origin story, getting into Crappie Chronicles and what you thought all that was going to entail. Yeah. And, and I think my, you know, like my, my involvement initially is probably a lot different than the other guys. So, um, so the, the series we're on basically season four of it right now. So in the basically 2020 was when this all started. So whatever, four years ago, uh, I, so I got to know Adam Bartusik through mutual friends that I had in college. So, uh, you know, like I said, I was really good friends with Sam. So yeah. Yep, yep. And I, I think on a whim at one time we were fishing a tournament down in, uh, in new Prague. And, you know, I ended up meeting, uh, Adam at a party before the tournament. Okay. So this was the first time I'd ever met him and, uh, whatever, just got to chatting and it was like a bunch of fishing guys. So you, you know how that goes, you know, you just get into talking about this and that and whatever. And 
And after that, you know, just kind of hung out off and on with just a group of fishing dudes. You know, we had kind of the guys that lived in the metro area and we'd go out for beers now and then and hang out and meet up at a tournament here and there kind of thing. And uh, we ended up just starting to kind of become better friends over time. And uh, I started doing like a lot of just cooking stuff kind of on my own. And, And I was always like more and more intrigued by like the like video stuff. Like I always did it, but like not well. And I never put anything out. Like I would just, you know, I always had little video cameras and this and that, just recording stuff. And it was just on SD cards and I never did anything to it. And so starting to meet some guys that were actually like making videos. And at that time, you know, they, uh, Adam and Sam were doing team Yukon outdoors and, you know, making some cool videos that way. And I was like, Oh, this seems, you know, seems sweet. You know, I, you know, you guys are editing this stuff and putting it out and like people are watching it. I was like, I want to do that. Like, how do I do that? <laughs> and so it just started those conversations more and I got more and more interested in like cooking. And, and I, I do a lot of like wild game cooking on my own. And, um, you know, I always cooked fish and did that kind of stuff. But at, so when they, so Adam and, and Matt Waldron and Adam Griffith started essentially, essentially like what the Crappie Chronicles is. So the first year it was basically uh, Matt and Adam going to fish with um, Adam Bart- or uh, Adam Griffith. And then they had their, one of their buddies from down South. It was like, the, I think the first, it was the first episode ever was with Matt Pangrak. Um, and so he came up here from Oklahoma to come ice fishing and they took him out somewhere and they banged a bunch of fish, but they, they didn't get like all the footage they necessarily wanted for this episode they were trying to put out. And just on a whim, he called me and was like, Hey man, like, uh, we're doing, you know, we were out fishing and we crushed a bunch of crappies. I know you're talking about doing some cooking stuff. You want to like come over? And I was like, yeah, for sure. You know, I live very close by. So I was like, yeah, 10 minutes. I can come over there, you know, make some fish tacos or whatever. I'm down. So I drove over there and whatever. We had a good time. We had some beers. We made a bunch of food and and it was cool. And that episode goes out and there was like a lot of interest. Like people were into this cooking aspect of this. We're like, okay. And I think that year I, I maybe linked up with them one, one or two more times, you know, just to try it again and we're like oh let's try it and, and it uh it just kept getting more traction and people were super interested in it um and you know i started fishing with them a bit more too and it just kind of snowballed from there and you know in the off season i think there was kind of this like well what is this even like is this something that could even take off right you know i mean because the first year of anything is not necessarily like where you figure out if it's going to work or not yeah um but you know i Adam's got a, you know, he, he just, when he launches a project like that, he just like believes in it, which I think is awesome. And it's, you know, it, it makes you want to like be involved kind of thing. (laughs) So, you know, he was like, yeah, this, this is going to be big. Like we're going to figure out how to make this work and going into like the next season, I was like, yeah, I'm in like, you know, they, they wanted me to be a part of it more and more. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I want to be involved in like the whole thing. I want to fish and we'll go and do all this stuff and we'll still do the cooking. We'll grow that. And, and we did. So like season two, it, it was definitely like more involved and, and uh, I was pretty much involved in the whole season there. And, and both, I mean, both sides, like the fishing and the cooking stuff is really, I think grown the show to what it is now. And, and we have, it's, it's kind of interesting because there is like a very, I'll say like split audience. Like there's people that are watching 
primarily just for the fishing stuff and they you know they watch the cooking they're like yeah you know that's cool right but then there's these like other group of people that are watching and they really aren't the people that are gonna take all this information that we're putting on the fishing part but they are all about this cooking stuff and they like to fish but they're like i'm not gonna do all that <laughs> you know yeah with the with the i guess the chase that you know we try to show and do all this stuff um and yeah it just keeps getting bigger and and uh it's hard to like separate the two now you know we like we want to show as much of both as possible but um yeah, it was honestly like very on a whim. It was, you know, I was fishing, doing my own thing anyway. And they were just like, you want to fish with us? And like, we'll cook some stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's try it. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's, it's one of them weird deals. It just like worked and, and, you know, as a group, we've clicked really well and just working together for, you know, you get, you get a group of people together to, to work on a individual project. You never exactly know how that's going to pan out. Oh, big time. <laughs> So far, so good. So I think it's I think it's great. I like it all. To be honest, I'm one of those that's like I I like all of it. I like watching the fishing. I take a ton away from the fishing. I like I'm definitely a crappie guy. That was kind of what I was baptized in, uh, where I grew up, and uh, so I'm a I'm big into the crappie content for sure. And uh, and as far as the cooking goes, I definitely fancy anybody that knows me like. I definitely fancy myself, uh, you know, a, a guy in the kitchen. I enjoy all that. And uh, so, awesome. yeah, man. And so later on, I might be asking you a little bit uh, more of the cooking stuff. Um, but definitely you fish. You're a multi-species, a multifaceted guy. Uh, you definitely fit into that crew. And um, and so to kind of transition into some fishing stuff, I want to I wanna get uh, as deep as we can into a good fishing conversation. And I kind of want to premise it like this. I kind of want to lay down, you know, some building blocks here um, to get us started in this conversation. Having you on specifically, now you live like South, you're talking South Metro, anybody in and around the Metro in Minnesota or any of these really populated areas across the Midwest. When it's ice season, we get into this time of year, like midwinter. And, um, and, you know, this has been an interesting winter, but right now while we're talking, it's really cold. We're making ice. I think, you know, ice season is getting started uh, for a lot of people here, um, you know, uh, in the, uh, this week really. So I think this will be a solid conversation, but anybody that fishes around there is going to kind of know and understand this really like, uh, 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 popular scenario where, you know, so many people, you know, they, they probably do the bulk of their ice fishing on Saturday and Sunday when they, you know, when they're not at work and they can get the family, you know, rousted together, get the boys together, whatever. And, um, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, anybody that fishes every day of the week knows what fishing on Saturdays and Sundays is like, especially on popular lakes that are close to town. Like, you know, uh, the conversation that revolves around pressured fish or just pressured lakes, um, you know, and, and so many people's ice fishing experiences look like that where they just they go out where the roads are plowed where they can get out and um you know where it's kind of easiest and there's already a bunch of people out there that kind of let you know where to go uh you know or where the fish might be you know there's just a lot of assumptions that are made but fishing on lakes like that or fishing on days like that where where there's just a lot of fishing pressure and just a lot of activity um, you know, definitely to be successful, which is, you know, a relative term, we often define success for ourselves, but, you know, to fish 
pressured fish, you know, on pressured lakes, like the most popular day of the week, like definitely takes a little bit of doing to be, for sure. you know, to, to, to have that success or to just kind of have that, that next level of success besides just how everybody's just out there, you know, just soaking minnows and, and not getting much done. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. The pressured fish, you know, for example, down those metro lakes when it's just, um, you know, it's just a madhouse out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I kind of want to get, you know, sort of your experience and just some tidbits from you on, uh, you know, how to work a crowd or just kind of how to work in and around all that pressure. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when I lay down those ground? What are some stories or just some, you know, just the, the, the topics that we need to cover or start on when I start talking about that scenario? Yeah. So I guess first off, like I, this is something we do a lot. So I feel, I feel like some of the things that like, I might bring up here or not going to seem right in any way, but, (laughs) but like I said, I mean, we spend a lot of time fishing these exact type of lakes and uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm definitely the best angler, but I've definitely learned a lot very quickly. I feel like, like if you're, whenever you're fishing with people that are like fish at a higher level or know different things than you, like you, you learn quick or you, you have to, right. So like fishing with like Adam Griffith, it is like, it, you know, you, you sit next to somebody and it's like, you're not even fishing basically, but like learning, you know, how he breaks something down and then how Matt approached it, how I approach it, how, you know, Bart approaches it. Like we all do different things and we've collectively been able to like figure out some things that work really, really well. Um, Cause we're all good at different stuff, you know? So I would say like probably the, the number one thing I would say is but like if you're going out to just like explore and do that is do it with uh, uh, other people that fish different than you if you if everyone goes out and does the same thing you're not going to find anything new real realistically so like even when we go to a spot that we think's good like we're our, we're all fishing differently until we nail down what is going on but you know i think for for just the initial like okay i pull up to this lake and i don't know much about it really but I see there's a bunch of shacks out, you know, probably in the, the one basin hole on this lake <laughs> and everyone's out there, you know, crappie fishing and, and doing that is uh, what we've found and what our process is pretty much all the time is, you know, you can, you can look at a lake map and determine where you think you should go. Like if it's an inside turn or a point in the basin or something like that. Like, I don't think a lot of that stuff is super like secret information. People can find main lake stuff that's worth looking at. But a lot of times that's where all these shacks are. They're sitting on the one main lake structure or they're surrounding the, the break line of the basin. Um, and a lot of times we will just pick on the map where we think, okay, this is, this is like the juice right here. This is where we should go. And we're going to go to that spot. And when we get there, we're not going to be surprised when there's a bunch of shacks sitting on it. But that is still like an area that the fish are using or have been using um, throughout either the day or that month or whatever. Like these are still good spots. It's just the fish are moving because of the disturbance and the pressure of there being a lot of people fishing. So we still, you know, pick starting locations based on, you know, like map study or, or something like that. But then once you're like boots on the ground, we're here, we're drilling holes then it kind of, I would say transitions to uh, kind of a different game plan. So 
you know, if I roll out to an area that I think this is where they should be, there's 20 permanent shacks sitting on this brake line right here. Immediately, I like without even drilling a hole, we just completely will we'll move off that spot 50 to 100 yards and then start drilling just in open snow, like where there is zero people. And it doesn't it, it typically doesn't even seem to matter if it's like, you know, oh, we're going further out towards the basin or further up the break. We'll just pick a side and drill and then start looking around um, because it it the fish are they're sitting where they don't want to be. Is really what it is. You know, they have a place that they they feel comfortable and they want to be, but for whatever reason, they're being pushed off. Whether it's just angler pressure, or if it's like they're running generators all night. You know, you're there for a specific bite, and there's just a lot of disturbance on top of the ice. And it's it's kind of weird to say, but like especially with forward facing now, it's like we're we're just picking a side and and looking around, and pretty quickly we're able to determine like, okay, are they sitting on the on the high side or the low side of like this area? You know what I mean? Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner featuring Primaloft 900 gold insulation, hydrofloat technology. Wear this cold snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice. Or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system. We're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D-rings for all your accessories again. Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, hydroflow technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell as your highest performance rain gear. Wear the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event soft shell jackets, and vests. All of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. Forward sonar is definitely, I mean, it's it, in, in some of these scenarios, it, it's a big, um, you know, it's a big part of the conversation because it's kind of helps us shine a little light on some of these bites. But I think, you know, um, I think even if somebody 
you know, that's, it's kind of like the first point that you're making. But I, like when I take that in, it's like, you know, even if I didn't have forward sonar, what you and your boys learn and showcase doing that, like I have a little bit more confidence now, even if I don't have forward sonar to try some of these things, because I still feel like it, yeah. it does give you that chance to find those fish, you know, that are pushed off like a really good spot, you know, you know, there's a reason that the community spots are community spots because they're good, right? Um, right? So anyways, yeah, that, I, that's just my little tidbit, you know. Yeah, and I would I would just tack on to that. It, like, for, for a guy that doesn't have forward-facing that's trying to do this, because um, it's like we didn't always have forward-facing. Like, we were still doing this stuff before we ever had that, you know what I mean? And uh, the thing is, like, the thing with pressured fish is they're, they're the just, like, they're susceptible to disturbance on top, like prolonged disturbance, right? So like if somebody's sitting there running a generator or there's people sitting in a permanent shack for eight hours a day, you know, they're sitting in there, you know, doing their thing, chatting, dropping stuff on the floor, all this, whatever. That's all like disturbance that is perceivable underneath the ice, right? And if, if you're in a situation where you're like, okay, I don't have forward facing, I need to cover some ground though. Like I need to figure out if there's fish in the area I'm sitting in. You know, that's why, you know, we run a lot of electric uh, augers so we can cut a lot of holes. Um, but the thing would be, you can do the same thing. It takes a little more time, but when you get to a spot like that, drilling it out right away is is kind of like the best move that we've found is that if, if you're in a spot and you think, okay, if the fish might be sitting in this deeper section out here, I want to, the first thing I'm going to do before I even look around with like, you know, dr- dropping a transducer in the water on a flash or whatever, is just grit, just grid out an area and then don't make any more noise because it's like, if you're, if you do drill across the top of them and then you stop drilling, they're going to, they'll chill out, you know? And that's something we've seen with forward facing. You can actually see that happen where, you know, if somebody drills one hole and they're looking around and everybody else is gritting it out while you're gritting, you're pushing this school of fish around. But by the time you stop drilling, they come back to where they want to be or feel comfortable. But if you just, if you drilled one hole and you fish for 15 minutes and then walk 10 feet and drilled another hole and then fish for a bit, like you're constantly moving them fish around where yep. you could just be hole hopping and all the holes you already cut. So uh, we minimizing, minimizing drilling and disturbance is like our number one. And then, you know, just avoiding shacks and tar- So yeah, it, I mean, as much as it's like, Oh, let's just go set up where everyone else is. We don't do that. We, we go to where everyone else is and then go, okay, where hasn't anyone gone yet? Or where, where would they slide off of this spot? You're describing, you know, pressured fish and, and, and work in that crowd or, you know, you know, working around that, like what would be some examples or some stories maybe in your career where you get out to a lake and you see just where the popular basin bite is going on or whatever, you know, whatever's going on. And maybe you decide to just go look for like a minority pattern. Maybe, you know, just think, well, you know what? There's got to be fish on the other end of the lake doing something else. And maybe even just try to get, find some unpressured fish on a super pressured body of water. Anything like that ring a bell? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm not going to drop any lake names on this. No, no, no. Like, you know, but so for instance, uh, down, down here, like everything gets hammered. And like, especially if a lake is producing like good size, like eater caliber fish. It, I mean, everyone knows about it. Like nothing is secret. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I, I think that, like what I'm about to 
describe, I guess, has just come from, you know, the pattern of like trying to just chase big ones and not like get on a big school. Like, it's not like, oh, I just want to sit on top of a school of 509 inches and just pinwheel them, you know, like I, w- I want to go and find like a handful of bites, like 12 to 14s kind of thing, you know, and ha- again, a lot of the like, observations have come from actually watching some of this happen on forward facing sonar and have caused us to change the way that we're fishing for like these bigger bites, because especially on these lakes that are getting hammered, it's actually pretty amazing to watch where even if, even if you do finally get on a school, you've done all these, these things where you're maneuvering around where there's permanent shacks and there's other people fishing and boom, you finally find a school. The most demoralizing thing in the world is when you're aiming that thing at them. And you tell somebody they're at 45 feet and they walk over there and they drill a hole and you watch the four biggest fish in that school group up and leave and all the other ones stay there. And that is like, okay, that kind of was the light bulb that was like these big, like these bigger ones do different stuff. Like they're not willing to tolerate as much. And so that kind of led us down this path of, okay, when what we're doing is not working or we're not finding the fish that we want, or there's just too many people on the spot and it's hard to, you know, whatever maneuver around that is is just literally throwing it all off the window and 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 going and just exploring more so i guess the the lake that comes to mind it's it's a lake that every everyone fishes the main basin it is a very predictable bite there's always fish there it's just a matter of landing on it and you know we went there there was a ton of permanents out there the word got out about the lake um and people were, were catching fish but not you know you didn't hear like a lot of 14s or anything like that not that that's like oh everyone's catching buckets of 14s but like th- they're there you know so um we 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 tried hard and you know we couldn't get on fish that were either bitey or just stuff that would let us drill on them or anything and when we decide to like scrap a plan, it's not just like, let's move a hundred yards. It's like, we're making, we always talk about like, let's, you know, when we're doing something, it's not going well. We're like, okay, let's make a big move. You know, like let's go way far from where we are right now and just start over. And that particular lake was definitely a basin bite, traditionally a basin bite. I don't think many people do anything other than that. And we just decided, screw it. Let's just go see if we can find anything up in the weeds shallow. Because we're like, there might not be a ton there, but if we do find them, like, we're going to have them completely to ourselves. They're probably fish that haven't been messed with in weeks, probably, since they moved into, like, a weed flat or something. So we just straightly go to the map. And this wasn't like we knew where there were weeds, you know. We're just like, well, okay, let's look at the map. And based on the water clarity, they should grow out to, whatever, six or eight feet. Okay, let's start there. And we just go up onto these, you know, shallower flats and just start drilling and looking around. And next thing you know, you find a couple of clumps of weeds and uh, start fishing around there and, and get a couple bites. And you're like, okay, there's something to this. Maybe you don't have it, like dialed yet, but there was definitely like, there's something to this. Um, and, you know, we're on areas where there is not a sled track. There's nobody who walked in. There. You know, they're just areas that the biggest thing I can stress is like, if you're, if you're not on them, just go just go somewhere no one's drilled because it's it's amazing how many crappies can school in an area just because they're getting pushed there and it can be like a big move like these crappies might be on the other end of an entire basin 
not just like they slid down 100 yards. You know, they've completely shifted their pattern to being on this other side. And maybe there's enough bait to hold them there for a week or something while things chill out and, and things like that happen. But there there's something to be said for just, you know, saying, screw it, we're going to do something totally. Like, there's fish all over a lake. It's not like there's just one spot that's good. And I think especially in the metro, people are very, um, like, grouped into thinking that these lakes are all just like waypoint lakes. Like, yeah. You can't find something because ever this is the spot. Like this is where everyone go. And like, yeah, it does produce fish and it can be really good. Um, but more often than not, there's always something else, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just like you sit in the basin hole with everybody else. Like there's, there's fish to be found in a lot of different places at one time. Like you don't always have to find a new lake to find unpressured fish. If you're, if your home body of water is one of these classic, like, you know, fish factories anywhere in the Midwest, you know, where, you know, Minnesota talking like Minnesota crappies, like there's a million lakes that's set up like this, but there's, you know, that village of fish houses that just show up on those, on the best spots. Um, you know, there, there's unpressured fish probably on every single lake that are worth going after. If you're just in that mindset, if you can just get yourself there and, uh, you know, you know, the, the, the tips that you guys showcase on your program and just hearing you tell those stories, that stuff definitely fires me up big yeah. time. Like, well, and, and I guess too, like, like you said, like, yeah, there, there's always going to be this like community hole. Right. And, and again, like you said, they're, they're there because there's fish there. Like people don't just continually sit there if they're not catching fish. Right. But, but the, the thing that we've found with that is, and it's, it's, initially it was kind of something like we joked about and then, and then it happened so much that we're like, Oh, like this is actually a thing. Um, <laughs> is that especially on those places, you know, where, where we might, we might have confidence to stick out a spot because we're seeing, them. you know, we're, we're like, dude, I'm pointing, I'm pointing live right there. And I, they are right there. You know what I mean? And we can't get them to bite or whatever. And, and, usually we don't we don't sit on something like that like we would typically our style of fishing is we want to find active fish like even if i found fish that i thought were the right ones and i can't get them to bite screw that like normally we're just moving and it sucks to cover that much ground and it's a lot of effort to just like keep going and keep going especially if you're where you can't take a machine or something but we do it but on the situations where we're on a community hole and we are finding fish like in the gaps between the houses or whatever, and they do not bite inevitably because <laughs> we're always like, let's get there first thing in the morning and do all this, whatever. And you know, it's a whole thing all the time. And we, we grind super hard in the morning and it doesn't pay off. And almost all the time we end up banging them super good. Mid like 11 to one o'clock in, in the afternoon. And it's like that time window is so consistent. Like, it's amazing that it, it makes any sense at all, but it's when a lot of people are packing up and they're getting off the ice. A lot of people are going out to, you know, they're fish the morning and they go and grab lunch and they come back out for the afternoon. And there is like 60 to 70% less disturbance on top of the ice during the middle of the day, almost all the time on these Metro lakes. Like you watch everyone leave and then you're like, we're about to catch it. <laughs> and then you do. And then, and then about the time they all come back and they're like, well, how did it go? And we're like, well, we blasted them probably done now <laughs> yeah yeah you know? yeah what and, an underrated what an underrated thought process you know as far as like that time of day and like 
you know, on those on those popular lakes, it's almost like routine. It's almost like, uh, I mean, those fish get so used to the where the plowed roads are, just how that activity is. It's you know, people are like clockwork just as much as fish are. And you know, if they're not, if you're seeing fish, uh, you know, on your vexlar or whatever, and you're not getting them to go. You know, we, you know, historically we just, you know, it's just like, well, today's just not a good day. The fish aren't biting, you know, and, and, and it's just, right. you know, or like, you're change, changing your, your bait or whatever to yeah. try to like make it happen. And it's like, it's not, but yeah. it, I'm going to tell you now, eventually when that clicks on, it's like as good as it gets. You know what I mean? When, when like that school lights up and all of a sudden you're like, it doesn't seem like you can do anything wrong, you know? But, um, yeah, like waiting for that op because a lot of the stuff we do, you know, it's like we're, we put in a lot of hours over the, like in a weekend trip or something. And, you know, we might fish 10 or 12 hours for really 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And it, you know, that's like, we're trying to, I guess, kind of document this, like, uh, the journey of it all. Right. Like this whole, like, Hey, we tried this and it sucked and we tried that and it sucked. And then we finally found them in, you know, the last 30 minutes of light and crazy they were biting and then we you know blasted them and that was awesome (laughs) yeah but that's that's honestly how a lot of our days go you know i mean it's not like we just go out and we're constantly sitting on top of the school fish and we're just whacking them it's like you know we might there's days where we've hiked i don't know 10 plus miles on the lake and then and then found them you know in the last 30 minutes or or it was good in the morning and then we spent all day chasing and like nothing happened and it's like, uh, yeah, we like to document like when it goes down because it's exciting and that's what people want to see. But there's like a lot that we don't show too. I mean, we try to like explain like, Hey, like, you know, we're, we're moving and grooving a lot here, but, um, yeah, like I would say in, in a weekend trip, I mean, sometimes it goes better than others, but a lot of times it's, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of really, really good fishing that you did all that work for. But when it goes down, it's pretty sweet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that setting people's expectations is important because that's one of the things about media production. Historically, we've never really seen that side of fishing the the grind. So the authenticity of like YouTube nowadays with you guys, where you you can, you can tell that whole story over a series over one particular fishing trip where every episode is another buildup. Like I think that's that's a really key part of content creation today where you show kind of the grind of it all because it sets people's expectations properly. They they relate to it because that's what the, the, inevitably anybody that goes out and tries, you know, new things or, you know, tries to, uh, you know, discover or be adventurous or just, you know, you know, find the next bite or, you know, break down water on their own is inevitably going to experience that. Right. And so, you know, yeah. it really shows, you know, that that's that behind the curtain kind of, kind of content, but it's just really, it's the truth. Um, and, it, and then, you know, anybody that goes and tries it is really going to relate to that. And that's, I think that's a key part of the success you guys being in season four, um, you know, and, and, and hopefully you guys are feeling good about it, that, uh, you'll be around a while or at least some version of what you're doing, because I think, uh, I, I get a lot out of that. And sh- when you guys do show that and you're showing your discussions and just how you communicate together, you know, just yeah. showing the dialogue when you're out on the ice and you're sort of, you know, just talking to each other, like anglers, like, like teaching anglers how to communicate to each other when you're breaking down, like, what are the meaningful things that a guy like, you know, you guys split up you guys go over here, a couple guys over here, a couple guys go over yeah. here. Like, how do you communicate 
how you communicate is sort of a key part of that too. Like when I'm watching, cause you know, I probably fish alone a lot, but when I do fish with some of my buddies, I don't fish with them all the time. And so the communication sometimes gets broken down cause we don't all, you know, we don't all pay attention to the same things. We don't all, you know, it's right. like, well, how deep were you over there? Or how far off the weed line were you over there? Well, I don't know. I wasn't looking at that. Well, it's like, Oh man, like, you know, I mean, like all, but you guys, you guys are, are much more of a well-oiled machine. And I think that in itself showcases. Well, to anglers. I'll say we try to be, but you know, there, there's signs too, right. Where, where we got, especially when it's not going well, I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's like when it's not going well, like gears are grinding and like, you know, there's, oh, yeah. everyone's got different opinion on what we should be doing or whatever. And inevitably it always goes down the same as it's like, when we're not on, like, we all know it's like, okay, we're, we, we have to change what we're doing, but nobody wants to like say what we should do. <laughs> right. Cause yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Then, then if we do that and then it gets burned to the ground, everyone's pissed. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. almost all the time it's like that, you know, if we're, we're not catching everyone's getting frustrated or whatever. And then we'll split up in like two and two instead. It's like, normally it's like, we all kind of are on this hunt as a, you know, group or whatever. And, but once we split up, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to go do this. You guys do whatever you want, you know? And then that sometimes can be some of our like best discovery where it's like, once you've split up, not only do you have like a, uh, like a mission, but like all of us collectively are very competitive. So like, if I, if I know like two, those two guys are going that way, I was like, swear, we have to catch it before they, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what oh, they're yeah. going to do, but like, we got to put this together. Because the the worst is when all of a sudden your phone starts ringing and you're like, God dang it, they found him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you're hyped because you're like, we're going to go whack him. But I'm like, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. If I, yeah, I don't even want to fish with guys that aren't competitive because I feel like you're going to compete against the fish just as much or if not more than you're going to compete against each other. And that's such a motivator. And it's like, it I want to, I want to be fishing with motivated dudes. Like if you're trying to like create your own crew to you know to be your fishing buddies man like you gotta pick the guys that are you know you gotta pick the captains man you can't be you can't be picking the bench warmers man you gotta you know i just feel like that totally plays into it and keeping those the positive attitude you know through the tough times you know it's like never take yourself so seriously that you can't make a good objective decision to get you on the fish you know coming up like you know don't get too too down never get too high never get too low like i don't know i i think that all that stuff plays in and you know you guys fishing on crappie chronicles like you guys fishing as a team the communication i think all those things really tell the story you know and, and then being able to put it out in a series at times you know or some you know sometimes you go somewhere and and, and it's and it's uh you know a video every day or whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, I think that's crucial. I think that's great. That's where so much of what I take away from it is lies in, you know, and, and historically without the internet and the digital world, you know, content just didn't really, it just wasn't designed. It didn't have the ability to, to look like that, you know, and really truly tell that story. So it's like, it's really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, like previously too, like a lot of the information that was out there was like this you know, where you were getting it from like magazines or forums and stuff like that. And a lot of the information that was out there was like hypothetical, like, well, if you were on a lake that had a weed flat and did water clarity was, you know what I mean? Like it was just all this stuff that was like general information or, or that, or that fishing pressure didn't like necessarily play as much of a factor as it does or, 
or whatever. So I think to your point, like some of the stuff that we're showing and like, I'll say we, we show a, a pretty big majority of like what we capture, right? There's some things we don't because it's just like, we, we can't, or, or it's like, that's just part of it too. Like, you know, we, we don't try to like, uh, necessarily like say, Oh, come to this exact, you know, thing and, and sit on this spot or whatever. Cause there's enough of that as it is, like, especially with being in the Metro, I mean, we post a video and we do our best to not even like really show necessarily what body of water we're on. And people always, they're already con- they comment the lightning, like in the comments on the video. And it's like, first of all, I was there and I wouldn't have been able to tell you what lake it was on. And, and like, but I, there's, I don't know, people are just so good at picking that stuff out and whatever, and, you know, we try to mitigate that as much as possible just because it's like, it can be bad for lakes too. You know, like we've, oh, had, yeah. we've had a couple where we put a video out and next thing you know, a bunch of people showed up and, and it was like, it was, made it hard for us too. Cause like, we were like, we need to go back for a day still. And while we can't now. Yeah. Yeah. But then if the, the thing is though, with that stuff, this is kind of like the way I look at it. It's kind of like an opinion here, but you know, like as far as people that are well, like if people watch the videos and the only thing that they want or try to get out of it is exactly where you were fishing on, on the exact lake and the exact waypoint, like you're missing, you're missing everything. Like that's not even one thing that right. you were trying to explain or promote. Like that's that you're missing so much of what it would take your, what you could take out of it to help you know, build your own skills as an angler, you know, paying attention to just how you break down water, all the things that we've already said or that I've already, you know, it's like how you guys communicate, how you break down water together, how you, you know, work a crowd, you know, on pressured bodies of water or how you, you know, scrap that and you just go looking for those minority patterns. Um, You know, oftentimes it's, it's, uh, you know, less bites, but it can be a quality deal. I mean, there's just tons of reasons why uh you know somebody ought to be thinking about all that stuff and it's all all great tips and tricks man well anyways we're doing really good on time here we don't have to keep um you know diving into this i i I love all the all the stories all the all the tips and tricks on all that stuff man i think it's great stuff um uh, but one thing, you know, we in the beginning, we were kind of giving a little bit of love to uh, how you got into the Crappie Chronicles with those guys as far as the content creation is that you like to cook. Um, I don't even know how to transition into this or anything like that, but I know you made a cookbook. You made a cookbook and, um, you know, and you guys, you guys were marketing that. I think hopefully you guys still have a few left. You know, I want to hear a little bit about that, kind of the inspiration behind that, like, you know, how many recipes are in there? What are, you know, what are some of the goodies in there? Maybe kind of talk about that and promote it a little bit. And if, if there's any left where people could find them, if they want to check them out. For sure. Yeah. So it came I mean, I guess I, I had wanted to do one for a long time. I just really never had like context to like do that. Right. Like it was just something I was like, yeah, sometime I'd like to put something like that together. Well, once we started like filming it more and being like, okay, we're actually creating these recipes. And, and I would say the vast majority of what we've put in the show are like original, like stuff that I can't like had come up with. Right. Like they weren't ones that is like what everyone's doing. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was just kind of like what I, that's how I wanted to kind of frame this was like, okay, if we're going to do this cooking stuff, like I'm cool with that, but like, it's going to be all of my stuff. Like we're not just going to, make fish tacos every time and call her good you know i was like we gotta if we're gonna do it right if we're gonna you know 
say we're, we're chasing all these big crappies. We're doing this at a really high level. Like we're going to do this at a really high level too. So that was kind of like the inspiration to be like, okay, we're going to be thinking outside the box. My goal was to just get like, I know the, a lot of the things that I make, no one is going to make. I get that. <laughs> but like, I wanted to just like get people's wheels turning to say, okay, well, maybe I could do something different or maybe I take part of that and I like what you did there. And I'm going to make something out of that. Like, I think that stuff's cool. And that was kind of the inspiration behind it was like, I'm going to just put all these ideas that I've got in one spot. Like I want this book to be something that is like for our fans. Right. Because so many people were commenting, like they always, we post a video and they're like, well, send us the rest. We want the recipe. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't like, I don't like, I didn't like write it. I was like, I just showed you how to make it. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I guess I'll have to like go back and actually like physically write these, you know, because a lot of the stuff I was doing is like, they're concepts that I, I have confidence in just like, okay, you know, I start with a certain process and that leads me into like the rest of it. So I never had these like written recipes right so i was like okay i gotta figure that out so putting a bunch of time doing that and and just nailing down like okay these are these are the recipes i want to put in this book and and i would say like the book itself uh which is it's called the frozen kitchen um it's turned out really great uh there's 27 original fish recipes all of them are made in the book they're all made with crappie but i mean realistically like any you know white fish would work totally fine for anything in there um and so i would say it's about half and half half of them are ones that were in like filmed in the show and then the other half are completely different ones that were never uh filmed in an episode so the ones that are like even in the book it tells you what episode it's in so you could conceivably go on youtube watch the video and actually watch it being made in addition to like being able to uh you know read the recipe and everything um but there's some other cool, like we, I worked with the guys too, and, and we put a couple of like small articles in there kind of about some different aspects of ice fishing and like, you know, caring for your fish, like after you caught them, um, you know, on the ice, that kind of thing. So there's some good, like some other good info that I think turned out really well in there. And, and the other thing that it allowed us to do was, you know, like we we're on the ice a lot, we're filming, we're taking photos and all this stuff. And it is like, Half of it's a cookbook. Half of it is like a bunch of photography that we never got to use for anything. So there's all these like really cool images that we captured out on the ice. Um, and then also all the photography, like the food, which I think turned out awesome. Um, but it is, yeah, everything in there is, is something that's pretty much totally original uh, to, to me or to the, to the Crappie Chronicles as a whole. But it, it just really was sparked from enough people just commenting that they wanted these recipes. And I, for like half a year. I mean, like I was getting DMS all the time on all my social media for recipes. And I was like, hand like on my phone and my notes app, like sending people recipes and stuff. And I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Or like someone would hit me up and I'd be like, well, I have that one typed out. So I'll just send you it, you know? Yeah. But um, anyway, it just was like, all right, let's just do this thing. And we cranked it out and it, it, it was very stressful. <laughs> the whole thing because i mean just like learning that and that's like a whole side of like media that none of us knew what to do so i was like all right i'll figure this out and so i ended up yeah self self-publishing it um and it dropped last february this past february so it's not even been out a year yet but it's been received really really well 
especially like our fans that were just crazy when we dropped it. It went absolutely nuts. Um, and it's, it's still, it's available on Amazon. Like you can just order it there. Um, it's in store at Thorn Brothers uh, in Blaine, so North North Metro here. It's right on the shelf. You can grab it there. But uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So the plan is to just keep going. And and we've talked about potentially maybe maybe making like a second one. So there's 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 that little teaser. But <laughs> yeah, dude, um, it's super interesting to see like which ones resonate with people too. Because like when you put out like the fishing stuff or you put out a, a, a tip on tackle or something like that, like it's, I guess, am I predictable? You know, like if, you know, we work with Thorn brothers, so it's like, we'll put out a video where we absolutely crush them on something. And like, what do you know? Like a bunch of people decided that like, that's the bait that they are, you know, going to buy this week now. So there's like, you know, a, a run on that particular bait, you know, there, which is cool. But then like you put out these, these, recipes and it's like some of them are like they go over pretty well and people are like oh that's good but then other ones people just like latch onto and all of a sudden like out of the blue they're just getting posted all over social media and like there's tons of people making a particular one where like i said they're not ones that i would have necessarily been like oh that's the one you know people yeah you just never know man you just never know so so that's that's been interesting to kind of like watch that unfold and and I, I definitely have benefited you know from a lot more people finding uh you know a lot of the cooking stuff too which has been super cool and so i get a lot of messages and people that are you know sending me that they made something from the book or something that we put on a show and they made it for their family or whatever it really gets me going i think that's pretty cool so, yeah man no yeah, i think that's been, great stuff I, I definitely wanted to spend some time on that i think you bring a lot of value uh you know, to that, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, the fishing industry as a whole, I mean, I, I think that those are all the, the little niche things, you know, little little spaces that uh, everybody encompasses, you know, that's working in the industry. And that's just one of the things that I think uh, think you do that's pretty ins- inspirational. And so I definitely wanted to touch on it. But anyways, dude, I, I feel like we can put a bow on this. This has been a great, great conversation. We covered a lot of the stuff that I wanted to fishing wise and hearing your stories. Good stuff. Hopefully. Uh, we can do it again, uh, you know, down the road and just, uh, you know, find the next topic and break it down, man. But uh, that being said, um, you know, we'll just sign this off. Like, uh, where can people find you if they have questions or any of the content that you want to promote? We'll just sign it off that way. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, well, obviously check out the Crappie Chronicles. um, But otherwise, you know, I'm I'm on Facebook and and Instagram and YouTube and all my channels are just my name. So if you want to check any of that out, I, a lot of the cooking stuff uh, definitely gets posted on like my Instagram, Facebook, and there's a little bit coming out on YouTube, but that's hopefully going to be ramping up here soon. So there'll be a lot more of that stuff coming out. That's kind of a, a side thing from, you know, the crop and doing that, but yeah. And, and my DMs are always open. If anyone wants to ask questions or see something cool that they want to share or whatever, I'm, I'm here for it. So, Right on, man. Right on. Well, thanks again, Ryan. Thanks for being available for this and making this work. And uh, yeah, dude, I appreciate it. Great fishing conversation. Right on. Appreciate it.